The book of Philippians this morning, chapter 4, as we continue this series uh, in this new year uh, on the essentials of our faith. What is absolutely indispensable? What is a basic necessary element of our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. And we've been going through different passages in these New Testament letters. And today we come to the book of Philippians, where Paul wants to share with the Philippians and with us something that is very essential to our faith. Before we get into this passage this morning, let me set it up by saying this. One of the things that Paul does very masterfully here is that he wants to thank and show his gratitude to the Philippians for the gift that they gave to him while he was in prison. Because it was much appreciated and much an encouragement to him. And yet, just like any growing, maturing Christian, he doesn't want to come across as a needy individual. He doesn't want to come across as someone who's like, Always looking for something from someone else. And there's, a, there's a, a real balance there that needs to be maintained. Because you and I, if we're going to grow in the Lord and, and, and mature in the Lord, we've got to learn to maintain that balance too. The balance between it's okay for us to receive blessings from others and because maybe God wants to bless us through others, we need to be willing to receive those things from others. And we need to be thankful for it and show our gratitude for what others do for us. But at the same time, we should never walk through life as a follower of Jesus Christ being a needy individual. Where people are like, you know, man, they're always looking for something or they're always in need of something. Because just as we sang about already today, and just as we're going to discover today, a growing, mature Christian we'll get to a place in our life where God is really all that we need. He is enough. And that's exactly what Paul wants to talk to us about this morning. I want to begin in verse 10 of chapter 4, where Paul says, I have great joy in the Lord because now at last you have again expressed your concern for me. Now, I know that you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity to do anything. I mean, genuinely, they really wanted to help Paul out. But they didn't have the opportunity yet. It's okay to be in that position. Sometimes as Christians, we may want to help somebody in some way, but we just don't have the opportunity yet. It might be a timing thing, just as it was for the Philippians. It wasn't that they never had the opportunity, but at at a certain season, they didn't. And Paul acknowledges that. But then he goes on to say, I'm not saying this because I am in need you see, I, I don't want to come across. I, I want to be thankful for what you've done. And I want you to know how grateful I am for what you did for me. But make no mistake about it, Paul says. I'm not lacking. I don't feel deprived as a follower of Jesus Christ. And again, that's that balance that we need to maintain, you see, in life. Being grateful for what others do for us. And even be willing to receive what others do for us and what God wants to do through them, but never coming across to others like we're deprived 
or that we're lacking in some way. Again, I take you back to Psalm 23, 1, where David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I am not lacking for anything when I'm following my good shepherd. He will always lead me to those pastures that are green. He will always lead me to those still waters that are refreshing. And so as long as I'm following my shepherd, I lack for nothing. And that's what Paul wants to get across here. But he goes on to say this. He says, here's why I am not a needy person. He says, because I have learned to be content in any circumstance. So much here. Let's break this down. First, the word learned here. This word is related to the word for disciple. In fact, the basic definition or meaning of the word disciple in the New Testament is a learner. And so when God tells us that he wants us to be disciples, that's more than being a Christian. If you've been following my blog through uh, this year and talking about digging into discipleship, you know that I am trying to share with all of us the differences between just being a Christian and being a disciple. And may I remind all of us, too, that in the great commission of Jesus Christ, he told his church to go and make Christians. No, he said, go and make disciples and disciples are learners. And so what Paul is saying is, first of all, he's saying, look, I wasn't always a contented Christian. Okay, it was a process that I went through. I had to go through a learning curve in my Christian life. And the way you and I do that is by becoming disciples, by becoming learners, in a sense, by being willing to go into the classroom of God every day and master the lessons that God wants to teach us. That's what it means to learn. And you and I as Christians need to be committed more than just being a Christian. We need to be committed to the goal of being a disciple. And saying, God, I know that every day, each day from you is a day that I can, in a sense, sit in your classroom. And that you have something for me to learn. You have something for me to grow in that day. And so I'm placing myself at your disposal, God, in your classroom. Here I am, God. Teach me. Help me to learn, if you will. And obviously we know that part of that too means that I have to have an attitude of humility and teachability. I'm not going to be willing or anxious or interested in going into the classroom of God if things are okay and I don't feel like I can really learn anymore or grow anymore or be stretched anymore and I've got life all figured out on my own, then obviously those attitudes will prevent us from being or continuing to be a disciple, a learner. But Paul said, I learned. And, and Paul's not saying now I'm done learning. Paul's just saying in this area, I have gotten to a point through this process of God where I have entered into the classroom of God and mastered the lessons that God gave to me. I have learned to be content. What does it mean to be content? It means to live in the fullness of God. It means to live in the sufficiency of God. It means to grow to a point where I am satisfied in my life that God is enough. 
and to center my life around God and to build my life around God rather than seeking, as many do, to build a life around certain circumstances. Which you'll notice, Paul then brings that word up. He says, I've learned to be content in any circumstance. See, the way of the world, and even the way for, unfortunately, many Christians, because they've gotten caught up in the way of the world, is that they seek to spend their life and put forth a lot of energy and effort into building certain circumstances into their life. If, if I've got this, and I've got that, and this, then, then I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be satisfied. And here's what Paul is saying. He said, you know what I had to learn? I had to learn that if I filled up my life with God, I was never empty. I was never wanting. I was never lacking fulfillment and satisfaction when I made my life about being filled up and living in the fullness of God. But on the other hand, Paul said, there before this, instead of filling my life up with God, I tried to fill my life up with other things and other people and all of this. And no matter what I pursued, no matter what I tried to fill my life up with, everything else except God left me empty to a point. I was never fulfilled and satisfied. Because I tried to at one time, Paul said, build certain circumstances into my life. And I became uh, a circumstance-oriented follower of Jesus Christ rather than, in a sense, a God-centered or God-oriented follower. And what Paul is saying here, here's the beauty, Paul said. When you and I fill up our lives with God or live in the fullness of God, then it doesn't matter what the circumstances of life are. I'm always full. You're always full. We're never empty, no matter what those circumstances are. That's why many Christians today, can I say, live what I call a roller coaster Christian life. Because they may be a Christian, but they're more circumstantially oriented uh, than they are God-oriented. So in other words, when the circumstances of their life are good, man, they're good. They're praising the Lord. They're ready to worship. They're all happy. They're all enthusiastic. Their, their disposition is good. They're, at it. They're, they're nice to be around. And when their circumstances of life tank, oh my, you don't want to be around them. They're just, and they're miserable and they're discouraged. And because for them, it's all about what the circumstances are. Circumstances are good. I'm good. Circumstances aren't so good. I'm not good. And what God tries to teach us is, if you live in my fullness, it doesn't matter where things are good or not good. You will always be full in me. You will always have enough, because I'm enough. You will always have all sufficiency for all things, because you've centered your life in me. And you're not going to let the up and down circumstances of life affect you and rock your world. Paul says, this is what I learned. What this teaches me is that many of us may not have yet gotten to the point that Paul has where we could say, I've learned that. But here's what we all can say this morning. That we are ready and willing to commit ourselves to the classroom of God every day 
and be a disciple and get serious about our faith and begin to allow God to teach us things so that we can learn these things so that we can begin in each and every one of life's circumstances to learn the lessons that God wants to teach us and to deepen ourselves in him. We can all make that commitment today. And if we are content like Paul, then that means that commitment will help us to stay there. And if we're not yet content, where we're living in the fullness of God and we're still, you know, trying to snatch and grab things around us to make us fulfilled and satisfied and and to fill that emptiness, that we will grow past that, you see, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is another reason why I tell people, look, spiritual growth can be the answer for almost everything in our lives as Christians. And this is an example of it, even from Paul. I learned Paul said to be content in the school of discipleship. Notice he goes on to say, I have experienced times of need and times of abundance, just like we all do. Life is filled with different kinds of circumstances and experiences. And any of us who've been alive for any length of time know that there's times where, you know, we we might have more than other times. That's part of life. But notice what Paul says. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of contentment. I've learned the lesson that God was teaching me. Whether I am satisfied or I'm even hungry, whether I have plenty or nothing, what's the secret? What's the lesson that God taught him as he progressed as a disciple and got to the place where he had learned to be content? Verse 13. That I am able, I am able to do all things through the one who strengthens me. And notice the context, please, of this verse. Because Philippians 4.13 is a verse that many of us use. And I'm not saying we always use it incorrectly. But what I am saying is, let's also mark today, especially since we're going through this passage today, the context of where this verse is found, and then what it relates to primarily in the Bible. And that is that God will give us the strength that we need, the empowerment and the enablement we need to handle whatever circumstance comes into our life. That's the context of this verse. In other words, as Paul said, There will be times in my life where I have very little. There might be times in my life where I have a lot. But Paul says what God does is enable me and empower me that regardless of my circumstances, I can navigate it. Now think about the strength in that. And I think that's why the word strength here is is so appropriate. Because again, so many human beings, even Christians today, are so... um, if you will, surrender to their circumstances. That it's just whatever happens, that's that's where they are. And to think that God wants to strengthen us to the point where it doesn't matter what life brings. It doesn't matter what we are navigating in life. I know that through God and the strength that He wants to fill me with and, and the power that He wants to you know fill me up with in Him, it will be enough to help me navigate no matter what those circumstances are. Good or bad. And in a sense, we have to even learn to navigate good circumstances in life. We have to, when good things happen, we have to remain humble. 
rather than getting proud and thinking, you know, this was all about us and all because of us. And we have to be gracious when success and prosperity comes our way. Instead of being, you know, arrogant and then obnoxious and you know, nobody wants to be around this, you know, type of thing. So we have to learn how to handle prosperity and adversity in a proper Christ-like way. And so that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying God can enable me and empower me to deal with whatever my circumstances are and to do it in a right way, to do it in a Christ-honoring, Christ-like way in my life. God wants to fill us with his power. He wants to make us strong. But here's the thing. God, like any other thing, he won't force his power on us. He won't force his might and his strength into our lives. These are things that have to be learned as a disciple in the everyday classroom of God. Which is again, why? Why are there Christians who can go through really seasons of suffering and and adversity and trial and seem to come through it triumphantly? To where no matter what they're going through, man, they're rock solid, they're firm, they're steadfast, and they're as faithful as they've ever been. And then there's other Christians who go through very similar circumstances and just crumble and are overwhelmed and crushed by their circumstances. Because the Christian who was able to navigate that is a Christian who's doing every day, behind the scenes, what we all should be doing. We are sitting in the classroom of God as one of His disciples, and we are mastering the lessons that God has to teach us. And can I also say, that's why even in a body like this, God every once in a while will allow something bad, if you will, to happen to one of us. It's not to... It's not to torture us. It's not because He doesn't like us. He actually is using us in the body to show us as an example of this is what a life is like who has learned and is learning and is being strengthened by me. Do you see how they're navigating this season in their life? And folks, may I say, we have several people right now in our church that's going through adversity in their life. And most of us know what they're going through, and they're dealing with it very graciously. God is using them as an example to all of us of what could be, and how when things come into our life, how we can navigate it too, if we're willing to be like Paul and learn from God every day. Because as we talked about even last week, I can't just flip the switch on. I can't just, you know, put my Christian life on cruise control and then some crisis or something comes into my life or my family's life and I can just flip that switch on and all of a sudden I go from here to there. No, it won't happen. I've got to be committed to be a learner, to be a disciple, and to live in the fullness of God. Notice, though, Paul goes on again in verse 14 to say, Nevertheless, you did well to share with me in my trouble. Again, Paul doesn't want to come across like he's ungrateful for what they did. 
But Paul is clearly teaching them and, and reminding them of his own example that, look, guys, as a true follower of Jesus Christ, we should never come across as needy. We should never come across as deprived, as lacking, because we can learn to do all things through Christ. And we can get to a place in our life where we can truly live in the fullness of God, in His sufficiency, and be satisfied that God alone is enough. Because again, I go back to this. If I live in the fullness of God, I'm never empty. If I choose not to live in the fullness of God, then it doesn't matter what I fill my life up with, I'm still going to be empty at the end of the day. I love this though. Paul says, he uses the word share there in verse 14. It means to identify with. Paul says, thank you for identifying with me. And in fact, this is a word that was used even for fellowship. In a sense, Paul's saying, thank you for being in fellowship with me. Sometimes we think fellowship is just where we get around a table and eat together as Christians, which nothing wrong with that. We do that. Or where we just talk to each other and all that. But, but here, Paul's reminding us that fellowship is where I enter into as a Christian with other Christians and truly identify with them in what they're going through. Then he says in verse 15, and as you Philippians know, at the beginning of my gospel ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me, no church participated or partnered with me in this matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in a Thessalonica on more than one occasion, you sent something for my need. Again, I do not say this because I'm seeking a gift. Rather, I seek the credit that abounds to your account. couple things. First of all, notice... Paul is reminding us about how cool it is when bodies of believers partner with each other and participate with one another in the overall uh, great commission, if you will. And we have an opportunity right at our doorstep to, to do that here. Many of you uh, probably remember a couple weeks ago, I asked to meet with certain individuals out here in the hallway after church on Sunday. And some of you are like, well, what was that meeting about? Why, why didn't you call Miguel and Nellie out in the hallway? Are they in trouble or something? No. Here's what is going on. We were made aware of a church in Mexicali, Mexico, that has some needs. And, and I'm just the kind of person, when, when God brings something to my attention, I don't just, you know, dismiss that. So I started praying about it. God, do you want us maybe as a church to maybe begin to partner with this you know, this precious group of believers in Mexico and, and begin to partner with them and build a relationship with them and maybe seek to help them in some way. And I really felt like God was leading us to do that. So that's where that all began. So where we are now is next weekend, a group from our church, small group, but a group from our church is going to go down and spend the weekend with these brothers and sisters, assess the situation, find out what their needs are, so that then our missions team and other people who wants to be a part of going down and either physically helping them in some way or spiritually helping them in some way, that we can begin a partnership together. And I love that. That's, that's biblical, folks. That's what we are to be about. Not so inwardly focused that we forget to be outwardly focused and be sensitive to the needs around us. By the way, you've heard of the church without walls. This dear body of believers is a church without a roof. So like when it's bad weather and stuff, they can't meet. So one of the things we're looking into is how can we help them 
get a roof on their building so that they don't have to cancel church anymore. So anyway, be in prayer about that. We'll let you know more about that. And obviously, I know many of you would be interested in going down there on, you know, missions trips and helping them out. So that's in the works as well. But notice something else Paul wants to do here. In verse 17, he also wants to give credit to the Philippians for what they did. And basically what he's doing is he's commending, he's building positive reinforcement, he's, he's giving them all this, this positiveness about the gift that they did give him and giving them credit for it because he wants to reinforce, you did good. You, you made a great eternal investment by what you gave to me. Because you're helping me help the kingdom. And Paul doesn't want that to be lost here. The word abound means to increase or multiply. Your account speaks about the eternal reward. And in a sense, Paul again is just saying, good investment, Philippians, good investment. Because like all of us as Christians, we can go through our Christian life and we can make some bad spiritual investments that are not going to yield any eternal reward at all. They're not going to impact eternity at all. They're they're not going to make a difference in eternity. Other investments that we make impact eternity greatly. And therefore, we should, you know, be encouraging it. Hey, keep making those good eternal investments. You know, we don't talk a lot about money here at the Oasis. But I want to stop and just say to you all today, Thank you for investing in this ministry. Because I believe that your investment in this ministry, whether it's material or whatever it is, is a good eternal investment, folks, because I'm hearing back from people all over the world who listen to the podcasts and get the blogs and stuff and even are aware of our ministry and follow our ministry, that God is using his word through this ministry to positively impact people's lives. And so when you invest in a ministry like this, I do believe you're making good eternal investments. You're laying up, as Jesus said, treasure in heaven rather than treasure on the earth. That's not going to go anywhere anyway. And that's what Paul wants to reinforce to the Philippians. By helping me, you did good. And it's going to be rewarded to you one day when you get to glory. One other main thing, Paul says then in verse 18, I received everything and I have plenty. I have all I need because I received from Epaphroditus what you sent. Epaphroditus would have been there, the go-between between between the church at Philippi and, and Paul there in prison in Rome. So Epaphroditus was the guy that was sent with the gift to give to Paul. Paul categorizes the gift as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, very pleasing to God. And up to this point in the passage, Paul's basically given them an example, an example of himself, one who learned to be content. He's given them credit because he wants to positively reinforce and commend them for the gift that they have given to him and to let them know that God will eternally reward them for being good, spiritual, eternal investors. And then Paul wants to give them encouragement himself. When he says, verse 19, my God 
will supply your every need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, you know, I've learned to be content. And in my sitting in God's classroom and learning through my experience of walking with God every day, here's what I've learned also. That whatever I truly need in this life, God will more than furnish, supply, and and make it happen in my life. First of all, because of who He is. He is God. And therefore, the earth is the Lord's. And all that it contains is His. Psalm 24, verse 1. And in Psalm 50, verse 12, God says, Everything in the world belongs to me. He created it. And so the cool thing is, one of the things that Paul's reminding us of is God, could he just sort of directly zap something to me? Yeah, he can. And that would be no problem for God because there's nothing too hard for God. But many times God uses the resources that are contained within his own creation, within his own world. And that includes other people. Which is why sometimes God will sort of impress and tap on other people and say, Hey, I need you to, go, I need you to, to, to bless this person or this family over here uh, in, in some way. And I, I want to use you as my channel to, to do that. God has everything at his disposal. And that's one of the things that Paul wants to remind the Philippian Christians of. God's not limited in how he can bring something about or with you know what direction God can bring something because the whole universe is God's he created it and he can make anything happen when he wants to and then Paul says he will supply he will furnish in abundance is what the word means God won't just you know supply us with what we need in little He will make sure that it's more than enough or beyond what we need. But here's the key, I think. Because many Christians sometimes let a verse like this really trip them up because they're not interpreting it properly. The word need here means what is required or demanded for each and every occasion of life. See, I think sometimes where we get disillusioned with God, even as Christians, is we think we know what we need. And what we think we know what we need and what God truly knows what we need are two different things. So when God doesn't supply what we think we need, then we think, He doesn't love me. I can't take His promises at face value because we've gotten this word need sort of jumbled up in our own, you know, human thinking here what god is saying is you don't ever have to worry as a christian if there is something that you absolutely need to be my child to accomplish my will for your life you can mark it down i will supply it i will never ask of you as a christian to navigate a season in your life to, to do something for me or for someone else and not give you all that you need. Can I say, let's just take even our church here for an example. 
That's why this is such an encouragement to me as a pastor right now as we're continuing to look for land and look for a place to call our own instead of meeting at Basha. Because here's what God said to me through this as the pastor of this church. Jeff, if you really needed a building right now and, and you really absolutely required what, what I'm asking of you right now as a pastor and as a church, that it demanded something more than Basha, I'd give it to you. But because I haven't given it to you yet, that means that everything I'm asking of you as a body of believers right now can be accomplished right where you're at. Because when it can't be anymore, or when my vision for this church gets to a point where you then must have something more than what you already have, I'll give it to you. Because I'll never withhold what you truly need. Folks, that can be applied to all of us personally. If something is absolutely required in our life, mark it down. God will furnish it in abundance. And how does he do that, Paul says? According to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The word riches not only can be defined as wealth and abundance, it can also be defined as fullness. And there we have Paul bringing us full circle today in this passage where he talked about learning to live in the fullness of God. And now he says it is out of that fullness that God will supply our every need. All you and I then have to do is live in the fullness of God and we can always have everything we need at all times, whatever that is. And that's how we can learn to be content in any circumstance no matter what it is. That's why in the book of Ephesians, the book before this, Paul is praying for the Ephesian Christians. And at the end of this great prayer, he says, oh, that you guys in Ephesus might realize that you have been filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. You know, that tells me there's a lot of Christians that don't live in the fullness of God or don't even recognize it or realize it. Even though from God's perspective, we have been through Christ made princes and princesses of God. Many times as Christians, we live like spiritual paupers because we're not living in the fullness of God. We're needy. We're always lacking. It's always what I don't have rather than focusing on what we all do have. And then in the book after Philippians, in the book of Colossians, Paul reminds the Colossian Christians, in him, Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily and you have been filled in him. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Wow. I mean, think about this. Every one of us here in this auditorium and anyone who's listening to this eventually on podcast or watching the video, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then based upon the word of God, you have been filled with the fullness of God. Paul would just encourage us and exhort us, let's start living like it. Let's start living as if we're full rather than being so empty, lacking, and deprived. That doesn't happen naturally. And it won't happen overnight. No matter who we are in Christ, 
because that human nature still dwells within us even after we accept Christ, it's something we've got to learn. And sometimes we've got to learn it through adversity and trial and tribulation. But again, God isn't allowing that to be cruel. God is saying, I want you to get to a point like Paul, where you are so living in my fullness and you are so filled up with me that whatever circumstance comes your way, you can rise above it. You can, you can overcome it. You can prevail. And that, that's how God wants to set up his children for success. But so few Christians are willing to make, unwilling to make the, or lack the willingness to make the commitment of how to get there. And that is by entering the classroom of God every day and being a disciple. Not being satisfied with being a Christian and having our sins forgiven and on our way to heaven. That's, that's great and we need to praise God for it. But God calls us to be disciples. So that we can learn to live in His fullness and not let the circumstances of life dictate to us how we feel, how we live, what our attitude and disposition is each day. But we can learn to live above all the circumstances of life because we've come to a place where God is enough. Let's pray. God, you are enough. (laughs) But have we learned that in our life today? Are we learning that in our life today? And I pray, God, that each one of us based upon this passage of Scripture this morning, would recommit ourselves to entering in to the classroom of God, being a disciple, and mastering the lessons, God, that you want to teach us so that we can grow to a point where we stop trying to fill our lives with anything and everything but you and still end up empty. And where we get to a place in life, God, where we are so filled with you that nothing leaves us empty. No matter what. May we recognize that and grab a hold of that and seize that today, God. Like never before. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.